Today's episode is brought to you by Anchor Podcasts. They're our new partner here at the Mac Report, and their mission is to democratize audio. Anchor believed everyone should be able to have their voice heard, regardless of background or experience level. And if you've ever tried a podcast before, you know all the logistical barriers that can stand in your way. At Anchor, they aim to remove every single one of those barriers. Their goal is to make podcasting easy and fun without sacrificing the quality that every podcaster deserves. It's so easy with Anchor Podcasts, you can even create a podcast from your phone. To learn more, visit anchor.fm today. It is Wednesday, April 15th, 2020. I am Mike McMahon. This is the Mac Report Podcast. We're back again. It's the off-season now for everybody. It's not just the off-season for hockey. It's the off-season for everybody. Uh, but we're going to try to get these up you know, weekly, uh, maybe maybe every other week. We'll see uh, what there is to talk about. I, w- I wanted to check in with a lot of coaches, though, especially the spring teams, and kind of get their reaction to everything that happened and, and maybe what some of the plans are moving forward. But today, we have another hockey podcast. We had Merrimack men's hockey coach Scott Boric on a couple of weeks ago, and today, we're going to be joined by Merrimack assistant coach Dan Jewell, who has a, a journey through college hockey as a player uh, and then as a coach at the D3 level. Then he was in the USHL, which, as you know, is one of the most highly recruited, probably the most recruited league uh, out there for college hockey, junior league, and then uh, made his way to RPI and then and then over to Merrimack. And we had a really good conversation about his background and his history as a goaltender and how he came up through the coaching ranks and uh including at the end we talk obviously about Merrimack in, in this past year and, and where they may be moving forward and uh his impressions of the year so it was a really good conversation we got Dan Jewell coming up today early next week uh I think probably on Monday I'm going to record it on Friday but I think we're going to post the interview on Monday we're going to have an episode with Merrimack assistant coach Josh Siaco. Uh, so we'll have both Merrimack assistant hockey coaches uh, on in the next couple of days, uh, in the next five or six days, Dan today, and then Josh uh, early next week, probably Monday of next week. Uh, we're hopefully going to get something set up with Merrimack men's basketball coach Joe Gallo as well. So we got a lot coming, even though there's nothing to talk about. Uh, we got a lot coming up here on the podcast. We also are going to continue to release our Merrimack men's hockey team awards. Those kind of came to a screeching halt when everything happened last month. Uh, but we're going to continue to unroll, to unveil those and roll those out. We get some of them done already. More of them will be done over the next couple of days, and we'll get those finished up in the next week or so as well. Uh, what else can we talk about? Oh, Vermont. This is all happening as I record this. It sounds like Vermont is going to offer their head coaching job to Todd Woodcroft, who is the assistant coach with the Winnipeg Jets in the National Hockey League. So not a ton to discuss on him yet because it's literally happening as I record this. John Buchagross from ESPN reported that Woodcroft's going to get the job, or at least has been offered the job. Uh, he was a finalist along with Ben Barr, the UMass assistant coach. So I'll have more reaction to that hiring on the VIP part of our website. Uh, that's where I usually analyze and post some thoughts and stuff. Uh, that will go up. Probably later on tonight, I want to collect some more information, see what what else we can find out. Uh, but it looks like Todd Woodcroft is going to be the next head coach at Vermont if he accepts the job. Uh, and that means Ben Barr is going to stay at UMass. Jerry Keith is going to stay at Northeastern. Eric Lang is going to stay at AIC. So all those potential dominoes that I think we talked about in our last episode where if Eric Lang got hired or if Ron Rolston of Providence got hired or if Barr got hired or if Keith got hired, it's it can set off some dominoes, right? It can set off the, this 
domino effect of uh, different guys filling different positions and there's always kind of the bouncing ball of the open job being everywhere. It's not going to happen if you hire a guy outside of college hockey, Todd Woodcroft, outside of college hockey. He's not going to open up a job in college hockey by taking this position. So with the Vermont job filled, that means there's an assistant opening at Yale. There's an assistant opening at St. Cloud State. There's an assistant opening uh, at Robert Morris, one of their assistants took a, a head coaching job in Division Three today, and right now I believe that those are the only open men's Division One jobs: uh, the Yale assistant, St. Cloud assistant, and the Robert Morris assistant. BU lost their director of hockey operations today to another D three head coaching job, so that's another one that's open. So there'll, there'll be some movement within the coaching searches and the assistants moving places, but uh, Woodcroft and at UVM is probably going to be the only new head coach unless something happens crazy here in the next few months before the start of the 2020 season. I don't see there being another opening now. I think if there was going to be another head coach opening, probably would have happened already. Uh, I think coronavirus and and everything that happened in the country kind of slowing to a, a halt, especially college campuses may affect any potential jobs moving forward. So I, I just I feel like we would have heard about it already. If there was going to be an opening, we probably would have heard about it already. If there is going to be one, there's probably a story behind it. Either uh, a contract isn't renewed that we don't know about yet, or something happens late. But right now, Todd Woodcroft at, at Vermont might be the only new head coach in college hockey next year. We'll have to see. Uh, but today, we are going to focus on our interview with Merrimack assistant coach Dan Jewell. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back... It's Merrimack assistant, Dan Jewell. The world's greatest hamburgers are at Fuddruckers, and we're out to make the world happy one great burger at a time. Try one of our 10 specialty burgers, like the Fud 66, with Hatch Green Chili, voted number one at the New Mexico State Fair. You'll find the world's greatest hamburgers at Fuddruckers. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. That way it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one simple place. We use Anchor here for the TMR podcast, and it could not be easier. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Sage, what about this stick? I like the orange in it. No, Mom, what is this? This stick is so dusty, there's no more Geno's left in it. I can take it from here, Mom. What kind of tweet are we looking for here, bud? Just a stick so I could toss sauce, Chef Boyardee style. Something more apples versus buckets. Yeah, as long as I could still snipe Bar South and Sally. All right, I got the perfect tweet for you. It's going to be this stick here, mid-flex point stick, completely accurate for buy down every time. This is awesome. I love it. TSR Hockey. We speak your language. All right, we're here with Merrimack assistant coach Dan Jewell. Uh, before we get into your background and, and all that stuff, obviously with everything going on, everybody's at home. <laughs> How have How's your last couple of weeks been kind of surviving quarantine life, as people have been calling it? Yeah, it's uh, it's been really interesting. I, I've been... I've been fortunate in the sense that, you know, everybody in my inner circle is healthy and and happy and kind of following the rules of, of, you know, the Northeast here as we're all quarantined. But ironically, I've, I've spent a lot of, a lot of time uh, outside, uh, you know, probably spent more time outside 
in the last couple of weeks than I than I have maybe since I was a kid. Uh, since I can't go in a hockey rink, yeah. <laughs> so. So that's how it's been. Yeah, I'm sure this was not the time of year. We had Coach Bork on a couple of weeks ago. This is not the time of year where you guys think you're going to be home very much. I mean, there's uh, USHL playoffs, uh, RBC Cup. I mean, there's so much going on in that the junior hockey world with playoffs. This would have been a, the time of year where I would imagine uh, all three of you guys, you and Josh and, and Coach Bork, would have been probably on the road for for the better part of the next month. Yeah, yeah, you know, we I was actually personally out in the in the Midwest watching some hockey between, you know, uh, you know, USHL, a couple USHL midweek games and Michigan districts were going on and then boom, the next day uh everything gets shut down, no more hockey. So wow. uh so yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting interesting time for sure. Do you have any trouble getting back? I've heard of some stories where people had had some trouble getting flights back or or things like that. Any trouble traveling back or were you pretty lucky in that regard i actually just uh i just decided to make my rental a one-way rental oh there you <laughs> and, go <laughs> and just uh and just uh chipped away and and made it the made the whole way hey back in a in a day so that's how i did it yeah it's probably the smart decision i, I know of a couple of people that were on business trips and stuff like that and a, a family that, that we know was on vacation down in florida and they got had issues getting back. The flights got either canceled or moved, or or airports were jammed, and uh, it seemed like there was a lot of a lot of haywire those first couple of days. I would think. Yeah, I could uh, thank cautious family members for encouraging me to do that. I <laughs> I was uh, I was one of the ones that maybe didn't think it was such a big deal in the moment, which uh, which so much has changed in the last three weeks, uh, which is which is nuts. Yeah. So. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about your background, how your kind of road to Merrimack. Uh, you were a goaltender, right? SUNY Cortland? Yes. Once upon a time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess what was your experience like as a player? Uh, what was it like growing up and kind of going through the, the ranks, the prep school ranks and everything and that, that journey to college hockey? Sure. Yeah. I, I grew up on Long Island and, um, my, my aunt played college hockey. She introduced it to me and, just like any other hockey family, you know, parent, you have to thank your parents for giving you the opportunity to, to play youth hockey and stuff. And uh, I was lucky enough to play prep school at South Kent and uh, did a postgraduate year at the debunked National Sports Academy and uh, in Lake Placid. And uh, then eventually found my way to, to Cortland State after playing junior hockey in, in Canada. Um, and, you know, it's uh, it's been a huge part of my life the whole way. And I kind of knew. Uh, after that year uh, playing in Lake Placid, that coaching was going to be a part of my future. And uh, after I graduated, uh, you know, college in 2011, I, I got right into coaching after that. So. What, what kind of first drew you to, to being a goaltender? Every, every, every goalie I've ever talked to has a story about how they kind of discovered the position. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of funny. Neither of my parents were in the hockey world, but my aunt was and my next door neighbor's dad was the manager, one of the managing uh you know, partners or, or whatever you call it at the Nassau Coliseum, uh, where oh, the Islanders wow. played. So as, as a kid, I went to a, a good chunk of NHL games, thanks to that family. And, uh, I was just drawn to the, the goaltenders, uh, at a young age, the equipment, the, the gear, the helmet, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, uh you know, I was the, the crazy kid that was happy to hop in the net when, <laughs> when I was asked at six years old and never turned back, I guess, at a young age. So, you said when you were out with the, the National Sports Academy, that's when you kind of knew the coaching may be in your future. Was there, was it a coach you had there, or, or what about you know that place kind of made you know that coaching was something you'd want to do down the line? 
Yeah, um, I that year it was my my 19 year old year. I uh, I had a an injury uh, and I tried to you know to my own fault try to come back too early and and did it again. So I was out, ended up being out a majority of the year. And uh, you know, Chad Cassidy was the coach at the National Sports Academy at the time, and uh, he's actually at Northwood School now. But, but yeah. he's uh, he's quite a coach. He's been. He's done a lot of great things in a lot of different places, and uh, he was a young coach at that time, but kind of took me under under his wing a little bit. And I was very grateful for that and, and lucky, and he's still a mentor of mine today. And uh, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I guess I, I named myself a pseudo assistant coach, but kind of just listened and and tried to learn as much as I could. And I was lucky that uh, that Chad Cassie gave me that that opportunity to kind of you know see the other side of things. Yeah. What what first drew you to Cortland too as a player as you were kind of looking at schools? Uh, you know what, what what drew you to Cortland and what made you want to go there? Yeah, uh, I actually there's there was a good good handful of guys that I, I grew up playing with when I was younger on Long Island, and uh, it was just a, a place. I'm a you know I born and raised in New York State School. The SUNYAC was was and still is one of if not the stronger conferences in in you know, division three hockey. And, um, that was, uh, was kind of a pretty easy decision based on their needs and, and the opportunity I was looking for. And, you know, at, at the time I was looking at studying, uh, kinesiology, which they have a strong program there. So, uh, so yeah, it was a few things, but, um, mostly it was hockey opportunity. <laughs> like, like a lot of our, our young decisions are made. So. Sure. And then right after school, if, I, if I've got the timeline right, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I graduated in 2011 and then very next season, you're an assistant coach at Plattsburgh with, I would have, with Bob Emery, obviously, who's now at Merrimack as, as a director of hockey. So uh, what, I guess, what, what kind of allowed you to, to get into Plattsburgh right away and, and start coaching year one, right, right after you uh, finished your last year at Cortland there? Yeah, what was Bob thinking after scoring <laughs> on me for three years to let me coach his goaltender? So what was going on with that? <laughs> no, um, I actually, uh, I actually was, uh, I took a coaching job at the National Sports Academy uh, that year, so the the year of eleven twelve, and um, so I was a coach there, and uh, I I just called and reached out to to Bob and to have the opportunity to, to work with his goaltenders and be a fly on the wall and hopefully help their program any way I could. And, um, he, uh, he provided me that opportunity. I was very fortunate. Uh, I didn't know until years later that my, my first trip up there was essentially an interview and a tryout, <laughs> um, but I guess I passed and, uh, and it was an unbelievable experience as a first year coach to, to learn and, and be around, uh, be around coach Emery, uh, for for that year i was very very fortunate yeah i I feel like every time uh when when you talk to coaches the the hardest thing to get is almost that first job right because a lot of times they'll uh guys may bounce around from job to job or or one guy moves from here to here but getting that that first foot in the door can can be really difficult so getting it getting it so early was obviously huge i would bet yeah yeah no doubt i i had uh i was actually up in Lake Placid that summer, I was deciding between trying to find a way to continue playing, which was <laughs> a tall task for an average division three goaltender, but I was definitely considering it. I, I was interviewing at Northwood and, uh, the night before I stayed at a, a friend's place in Lake Placid and, uh, 
there was it was a poker night at his place and and sure sure as sure as hell uh the director of hockey from nsa showed up to that poker game who <laughs> was at nsa when i played at nsa um and he's like you're not taking a job at north or you're coming to nsa <laughs> um so so that was how i got the job at nsa small world and and like i said lucky to be able to drive up to plattsburgh you know uh two three days a week to to help as much as i could with uh with Plattsburgh, which they had an unbelievable team that year, and uh, it was a fun fun thing to be a part of. Uh, and then right after that, moved over to Hamilton, right? Yeah, uh, you know, the to have the opportunity to to work full time. Essentially, it wasn't full time my first year, like a lot of uh, jobs in college sports uh, years years ago were not full time. It is now, which is nice. But um, to to go there and and work uh, for and for with uh, Rob Haberbush, who has done a great job there at Hamilton. I was kind of part of his his starting off point there and uh, learned quite a bit from him. So. Uh, and then after Hamilton moved to the USHL, and this is where uh, I think you, you probably got a little busier, right? Assistant coach of the Bloomington Thunder, but also director of scouting. I know from talking to a couple of guys that I know that have either currently or, or used to work in the USHL, they've always told me, you know, you may have a role, but you're not just doing that role, right? If you're the head coach, you're usually also, you know, an assistant GM or a, partly a GM, or maybe sometimes you're both the head coach and the GM. Uh, you're, you're wearing multiple hats. So was that was that something you experienced as well with Bloomington? Yeah, absolutely. I I, I dove into the deep end uh, without any warning, um, but it was it couldn't have been couldn't have been a better opportunity. But I do have to say that my time at Hamilton definitely pre- prepared me for that type of scouting, recruiting, coaching. Uh, you know, with with Coach Howard being at you know, multiple spot stops in division one and, you know, nine, 10 years at, uh, at West point, uh, you know, that, that whole, you know, established recruiting, you know, system, uh, that I learned from, from coach Haberbush definitely helped me there. But I went from recruiting 18 through 20 year olds to, to try and evaluate the best 15 year olds in the world, <laughs> uh, which was, which was a huge adjustment. And, uh, Dennis Williams, the head coach, uh, was, uh, came from the North American league. So it was, it was new for all of us. Dennis, obviously an unbelievable coach and a guy that had a lot of experience in junior hockey. Uh, the USHL was a new beast for us all, but uh, a challenge that, that we, we try to grab with both hands. Is it different too, where uh, the way the draft system is set up there? I mean, yeah, you're, you're recruiting kids to try to get them to sign, but you're also evaluating with evaluating them to, to, to select them. I mean, I, I would imagine that's got to be different than just recruiting a kid to try to get them to commit to your school. You're, at the same time, also trying to figure out when you can select that kid. And, uh, you know, obviously you hear stories of certain kids may fall or rise in the draft, depending upon uh, whether or not they may sign or where they may play. I mean, that just it's got to be a, a different animal almost. Yeah, it's so unique. It really is. And the USHL has done a good job at, at having the drafts create parity in the league, uh, which which is which is important. Um, but there is still, you know, the nature of junior hockey. There is some still some things that that make it uh, easier or harder, uh, depending on the organization and and, you know, staffs and, and all that stuff. So um, not not to go into great detail, but there's two phases in the draft. One's the 15 year olds and then the rest is generally the players older than that. And um, there is some there, there's different strategies for sure uh, to, you know, to figure out which players you're taking, where you're taking them. And, um, it's, it's, it's kind of unique. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I, I would imagine, though, I mean, the, the years you spent there with Bloomington would get you ready for that next job at RPI, stepping into college hockey. Uh, I would think that would help a ton, just kind of knowing. I mean, that's the league that is one of the most heavily recruited leagues out there, obviously, and to uh, have uh, a, a really good understanding of the players in that league as you made your first step into college hockey had to have been huge. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, my time in Bloomington, I, I was essentially in charge of personnel. Dennis Williams was, you know, always the final decision maker and he got to see as much hockey as he could as the head coach. Um, uh, but you know, a lot was, was put on me and, and the, the people that supported our, our scouting staff. And, uh, so basically it was our job as an organization to know, uh, I started the futures draft year. My first year was the 99 birth year. Um, so basically, the 99s uh, through 01s, which were the three drafts I was a part of, um, I feel like naturally you get a pretty good handle on them being in the USHL and then in addition to players within that league. So, so yeah, moving into college, it, it was uh, those age groups were essentially the, the kids that were going to get recruited and committed if they weren't already to Division One hockey. Yeah, and there's even, I even see now there's still a couple of 99s that are obviously in their last year of juniors this past year and uh, a lot of them are committed to D3 schools, but there's even a couple here and there that you're still seeing commit to D1 schools. So it's kind of those those classes can be drawn out. Obviously, some kids are committing younger, some kids commit you know a lot older when they're 20 or 21. And uh, it's kind of funny. I just I, I saw this I think last week or beginning of this week there was a couple of 99s. I think one went to Robert Morris, and uh, you still see some kids out of that birth year that are still committing here towards the end. Yeah, it's a, it's that's one of the one of the many positives of of the junior hockey path and you know helping you mature and get ready for the college experience but also uh you never know that that opportunity might not come until you know late winter of of your 20 year old year and that could be the opportunity that provides you the life experience you never thought you would have so uh yeah it's it's a hockey's a special thing junior hockey's a huge part of it what what was the experience like at RPI and kind of making that jump cuz Again, it's a, it's the same thing. You're doing kind of the same job as an assistant coach and, and an evaluator and a recruiter, but you, the system's different again. Obviously, there's no draft, so you're trying to recruit kids. I mean, was that was that an adjustment, or, or what was that whole transition like? I kind of I kind of liked it. I, I kind of complained in my three years of USHL that you know just because you work so hard doesn't mean it was going to pay off because you had to wait till that date, the draft time, right? Um, so I kind of appreciate the college process a little bit where you can hopefully, you know, identify players first or early or, or that, that kind of thing. So that was a little refreshing. Um, there are every program and every situation has their hurdles and, and obstacles. And, um, and that's just, that's just part of the, the recruiting and, and building a team. And, uh, you know, RPI is no different. Merrimack is no different. There's, uh, there's hurdles and obstacles, but uh, I, I find the college recruiting and team building portion to be uh, to be a little refreshing because you could, you know, embrace the opportunity of trying to find things out before others do, you know? Sure, sure. And then obviously you moved to, to Merrimack this past year. Uh, over the summer, when you were looking at different things, what kind of made Merrimack an attractive place when, when you were considering it? Yeah, uh, I I could already see him rolling his eyes, but honestly, the the <laughs> first the first one is 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 SB uh, Coach Boric. Uh, I was lucky to have a you know professional relationship with him, uh, you know, through my time in Bloomington. We had a we had a few Providence guys there, and um, you know that that relationship was was the biggest part of it for me because I I know how good of a coach he is and how how special of a human being he is, and having the opportunity to 
to work for for SBE and and build build something special, which we're obviously in the midst of doing, um, is uh, was was the biggest thing. And uh, Merrimack is the school's growing tremendously, and the hockey program right alongside uh, is is you know our plans to be the the top of hockey east, and which means you're you're one of the top teams in the country. It's interesting too because like if you look back at this year, and I, I even said this to him, I, I think in in one an earlier podcast we did. Uh, it feels like this this year to me, like especially the end of the year, it felt like it was the beginning of something. Uh, and I can look back at, at Merrimack, you know that that team in 2011 that almost won Hockey East and went to the national tournament. That's kind of the, the bar. And if you look the year or two before that whole thing kind of exploded in that 2011 year, you could, you look back afterwards and you're like, yeah, you know what? There were signs that there was kind of something brewing here. You know, when that big class that that took that group. Uh, to the to the NCAA tournament of seniors when they were juniors and oh, sorry when they were freshmen and sophomores you kind of saw it, it bubbling and I kind of felt the same way you know this year in the sense that it's a younger group you know the guys had 16 freshmen and the number of one goal losses you had the number of games that you were in that could have been wins like when you look back and you're like you know what maybe there were some games that were lost here but they they weren't lost because of skill they were just lost maybe because you were the younger team and you didn't have that experience yet you didn't learn how to win those games yet is that something you guys kind of felt as a staff too because it seemed like there was even if the record wasn't vastly different than it was a year ago it definitely felt like there were huge steps taken this year and that there there's an undercurrent okay like this this may be the foundation that we're building something on top of moving forward yeah, I, I can't speak for the for obviously two years ago, but um, but this year, I mean, it was a it was a really fun group in in a lot of ways. And I got to give credit to to that senior class for for you know driving the bus as far as trying to establish uh, what SV is is building here. And um, you know, we're we we think we're we're we don't think we we know we're changing the narrative of a young team to a successful team Mm -hmm. um and and that's that's the way we feel as a staff that's the way the guys feel that's that's the way um hopefully not everybody views us as that (laughs) because we wouldn't mind a few teams taking us lightly (laughs) but um but yeah i mean that's that's gonna be that has to be our expectation moving forward is that um, you know, we've turned the corner and, and we're really excited about the group of guys, you know, no matter what their class is, age is, um, we're, we're definitely excited about, about the group. And, uh, this past year was, was obviously a big step in that direction. And obviously you, you work with the goaltenders too, being a former goalie, that seems to be a, a step that a lot of teams are making now where they, they don't just have for, for a long time, the goalie coach was a volunteer. I mean, that was for forever. It feels like that's what it was like. And now more and more teams have somebody to work with the goalies that's on the full-time staff. Uh, it, I guess what are some of the differences there? And you guys got, got, got two with Jim McNiff, obviously, as a volunteer with the program as well. Uh, but what, what, was, what has it been like just being able to work with the goalies full-time, being there every day? What, what are some of the advantages, I guess, to having the, the, the coach that's working with the goaltenders being there all the time as opposed to being the volunteer who may miss some time here and there? Yeah, I, I wouldn't know the the – opposite way because i've always yeah. i've been part of the staff as as the guy that works with the goaltenders um i this is my second time being part of staff with uh with somebody else in in uh in that role of helping as well which is awesome the more minds uh the better um but uh but yeah it it's awesome i i think it's only a matter of time before it's it's throughout all of hockey that the 
the goaltending coach is, is an, is another part of the staff is an essential part of the staff. I think that's a future of hockey, but um, it, it is a very important uh, role for, for the goaltenders to have somebody to speak with just like any other position, you know, it, long over are the days of, you know, leave those guys alone, yeah. <laughs> let them do their job. You know, they, they, they're a part of the development plan, just like the rest of the team. So uh, so being a part of that is is awesome and, and a big passion of mine. It, it just makes sense to me. Like you, you hear coaches all the time in, in interviews will say, you know, it's the most important position on the ice. And then if I, <laughs> the way it was structured for so long was the the guy who might be the most important position of the ice didn't have the coach at the, with the team full time. You know, it can be kind of be like a baseball coach not having their pitching coach and <laughs> or something like that. It's uh, it's definitely seems like it's moving in that direction. And I, and I would think from from a goalie perspective too, uh, it's good to have somebody there full-time to bounce those ideas off of in practice or just the the small little corrections that that you may see on a day-to-day basis uh can can go a long way to to developing players and and getting them from kind of from point a from point from point a to point b is that as you have them you know at merrimack and try to progress them along in their career yeah yeah no doubt there are some intricacies of the the nature of the position and um it's always great. I, I tell any goalie that I work with and uh, is that the, the more information you get, the more guys you can talk to, uh, you, you bring it all together and, and you make you make work what works best for you. Um, and that includes your goalie partners as well. So it's uh, it's kind of like a, a family within the family. Sure. I'll all try to try to help each other get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we talked to Coach Bork about this a couple of weeks ago, but what what has been the feedback from from some of the guys? I mean, I, I don't know if you've been in, in touch with them since they've been home. I know everybody's home and trying to get the work in. Is it just getting players workouts and, and trying to get them to to stay as in shape as they can and get their off season program in as much as they can? You know, being away from school and being at home. Yeah, I I think our guys are, by nature is a very proactive group. Uh, our guys have like transformed their basements into uh, yeah. I've seen some pictures facilities. on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's really cool. I mean, the Drevich families, uh, you know, I spoke to Logan a, a few weeks ago about, you know, how they create a shooting station downstairs in the, their home. So everybody's being really creative. And that's, that's one thing you see with this group is that uh, they're itching to, to find a way to improve their game and get better. And um, that's, uh, that's really exciting. And, uh, you know, you have to also give a lot of credit to coach Kamal. We had a, we had a team uh, Zoom call a few, you know, a few days ago, and he's got all the guys in lockstep and has a, you know, modified training uh, for for all the guys, to, depending on what equipment they have and whether it's no equipment or a lot of equipment. So, um, no, the guys have a lot at their disposal, thanks to Coach Kamal. I, I would think, I mean, the way it all happened happened so quickly, there really wasn't a, a time where you could even plan anything, right? I mean, for most of these guys, it was like, hey school's done we're moving out <laughs> you know there wasn't like you didn't even have that opportunity to have like a wrap-up meeting and kind of figure all that out and say okay here's our plan moving forward a lot of that I, I would think was probably done remotely right yeah yeah all that's been done remotely you know the exit exit meetings from yeah. the year oh, going yeah. on zoom calls and us as support staff assistant coaches and and stuff like that have been staying in touch with the guys as well so um yeah all that's been we've been doing the best we can under the circumstances but but today's technology, it, it's uh, it's probably almost a an easy thing for for our guys. Sure.
All right. Well, uh, we appreciate the time. Uh, I, I'm glad you're staying healthy and, and hope that continues moving forward. But uh, this has been awesome. Thanks again for the time. And we should do this again. So we'll talk to you again, maybe before the season starts. Yeah, great to connect, Mike. Always good talking to somebody in these times. And <laughs> and good luck keeping the, the kids sane and in the household. Thanks. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I need it. Trust me. <laughs> All right. That has been Dan Jewell, the assistant coach of the Merrimack men's hockey team. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike McMahon CHN, and you can follow the site at The Mac Reports. If you're a Facebook user, you can also find us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, bye. <laughs>